It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, February 1st, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is going to talk Flyers prospects in this system today. You must be excited, Russ. We're not talking groundhogs? No, that's tomorrow. But I think we preview it. We don't preview groundhogs? Oh, God. We'll talk about the Groundhogs tomorrow. We are going to talk Flyers prospects with a special guest on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at our Miriam. I'm here with the Groundhog Challenge, Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Flyers. That is where we post about our episodes, the latest with Flyers news, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at Gmail. We will be doing a mailbag, so get those questions in. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube. So subscribe there as well. Uh, We are thrilled to welcome Hadi Kalakesh from Locked On NHL Prospects and Dauber Prospects, uh, super knowledgeable about the Flyers prospects in our system. And we're going to talk about those guys. We're going to talk draft. So much good stuff on today's episode. And uh, we'll get to that right now. Hadi, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Looking at the Flyers prospects from top to bottom, would you say that Cutter Gautier is your top prospect overall in the Flyers system? See, that's tough. Um, I, I do like the Flyers prospect pool. I think it's got a decent amount of, of, of good prospects. Um, you know, I would probably put Bobby Brink up there, but I mean, Gautier is just, he's so projectable. He just screams middle six player. Um, and what's interesting about him is you see the level of pace, you see the level of intensity that he plays with, um, but just his ability to man transitions effectively, his ability to, um, you know, make plays at high speeds. I think that combination is going to work really well in the NHL. I'm not sure how high I could project him. I don't really see him cracking a top line and being sort of a high end play driver on a top line, but um, he definitely has the the qualities required to sort of make it as a modern day power forward in a second line role. I think that would be something that's very realistic with him. Whereas Bobby Brink, I mean, there is a non-zero chance that Bobby Brink becomes a first liner. I don't think it's a high chance, um, but just the ability to play between checks, the ability to absorb pressure, to play through it. Um, again, he's another player with a lot of intensity to his game. He seems like the Flyers like those. Um, so I, I'd say that my favorite would be Bobby Brink, but I think the most likely to become a full-time NHLer in a top six role would be with Brink, I agree with you. The only thing is he sometimes puts himself in bad positions. 
and has gotten hurt because he's fearless yep. that way. Uh, he has those tools, and he has been able yep. to play with really anybody. So that's true. And with Gauthier, mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is accurate, especially if he's going to be a center. If you're talking about him being a winger, there is a possibility mm -hmm. he could be a top-line winger, but they want him to be a center so that I don't see mm -hmm. any chance of him being a top-line center either. Yeah, I think you, you the best position for Gochi is as a play driver, not as a sort of complementary forward. So, you know, in, in terms of what you can get, the best you can get out of Cutter Gochi for me yeah. is probably a second line C. I do understand that he could complement other guys well with his speed, with his intensity, with his tendency to drive the net um, and, and to carry the puck in transition. But I, I just... What I see from Carter Goche is is someone who's going to be able to connect really well with his teammates as a center. Um, I think he mans the center line really well as well. I like his uh, his tendency to cut to the inside is really strong as well. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Bobby Brink has gotten injured uh, a decent amount of times because of his tendency to go a bit too hard, and that's yep. what makes him a bit more uncertain. But in terms of you know the best possible scenario with Goche and the best possible scenario with Brink, I think Brink's ceiling is higher. Um, but Goche is just so certain to me. I just don't see a scenario where he's not an HLer, and I don't see a scenario where he doesn't make a middle six. So no, um, I, I agree. I yeah. just want them to give him the other year in college because I don't care how good a year he's having. You can't walk in and be a center with John Tortorella with like a year's experience. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That would not work out well. All right. Yeah. Um. So Emil Andre, you know, we I could give you a stat and tell you that in the NHL, there's probably eight or nine defensemen of his size. Now, I do think he's feisty, and I, I like his skating a lot. What do you think he looks like as an NHLer, if he can be an NHLer? Well, he, he's going to be a guy who's going to walk the blue line constantly, who's going to consistently create motion left to right um, you know, from the blue line and and change the angle of your shots. Uh, I think that's something that's really effective in its own in its own right. I also really like the intensity that Andre plays with. I think that is something that he has he has honed a lot and has improved a lot over the, the last couple of years. His season right now with HV seventy one is really really impressive. I think he's up to twenty points in yeah twenty points in thirty seven games with HV seventy one, which isn't necessarily a top tier club in the SHL. They're doing pretty well, but he's a main part of that. Um, and you know, when you get a player like that, who's got that intensity, who's got that ability to manipulate offensively laterally, I think it's something that you can definitely invest in. I don't really see Andre as a top pair defender really ever. Um, but if he tops out as a number three, number four, I think you're set in Philadelphia, especially with Ivan Provorov on that first pair. I think putting them together wouldn't be a good idea right. because they do have some similar assets and it's kind of just doubling up. Whereas if you put them on a different pair, you've got a really good sort of second pair that's really centered around him offensively. I think that would be something that would be really interesting. Um, but I wouldn't expect any top line sort of minutes from Andre really ever. So earlier when we were talking about Cutter Gautier, you brought up Bobby Brink a lot. And mm -hmm. I'm curious if you think the comparison right now or the race to the NHL is more between Cutter Gautier and Bobby Brink, or how does Tyson Forster fit into this picture? And do you see Bobby Brink or Tyson Forster making it to the NHL first? Yeah, I think between um, Forster and Brink, I think Forster makes the NHL first, mainly because he has a more projectable frame, because he's been healthy more, and especially he's got more experience in the AHL right now. I think that's something that teams, especially a team that's coached by John Tonarello, they're going to be looking for a guy who's who's 
paid his dues in the minors, really. Um, and I think that Forster really fits that bill, especially since there's going to be openings in the bottom six, or almost always are every October for each team in the NHL. There are two... Um, you know, one or two spots in the bottom six. It's very rare that a team will have a solid consolidated bottom six that is, you know, set in stone that they can't move around. So I think that Forster has a better chance to make it in the bottom six role. Um, he's, he's not my favorite prospect in the flyer system though. It really is Bobby Brink. I really think that Brink has more projectable elements long-term if he can stay healthy if he can sort of you know hone a bit more his skating his ability to 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 manage transitions but i think that forster probably by either next year or the year after he's in the nhl not full-time um i do think he still needs some marinating but i think that forster's a you know more likely player to make it early all right so let's talk about the disastrous path that samu tulamala has been on yeah (laughs) it's just it's a journey, man. Now, last year, I was all over this, and I was assured by many other people, just not from the Flyers themselves, but it was coming from them, that, mm-hmm. hey, they were going to have a handle on it this year, and it was going to be okay. Well, yeah. he's been on loan for four different teams. Yep. And this is the worst possible scenario that you could possibly want for a guy that you spent a second-round pick on. I don't know why they couldn't get him into the OHL last year. I'm going to tell you, I think they need to get him into the OHL next year because he's not ready for the AHL. But, you know, we all know he has a great shot and he has some projectable, uh, as, you know, uh, traits. But, you know, what's your feeling on him? That's pretty much my feeling on him. I see a, a, a very decent goal scoring winger. I see someone who's going to be able to to shoot the lights out. Um I was a bit higher on him than I should have been in his draft year and is mainly because I was so confident in the projectability of his goal scoring elements. Um, on top of that, he has good skating. He uh, was was pretty well, pretty good in transition, both offensively and defensively. I felt that he um, identified his options pretty well off the rush when he was defending it as well. So those are things that I looked at. and was like, yeah, this seems like a first rounder to me. Um, but the more I looked at him in the league last year um, and especially the more I see him this year, um, it's just been extremely strange. Now, there was one loan spell that really benefited him uh, with Gattara. He he uh, played uh, about 15 games in the second division uh, of Finnish pro hockey. It's a very low division uh, in terms of quality. It's not necessarily the same as Jalsvenskan in Sweden. Right. Um, that's a different ball game. I, f- I feel like the Mestis is really much easier to create offense in. And he got 16 goals in 14 games, 25 points in total. That but he can't break him. out of it. Like, nobody yeah. wants him in Liga. That's the problem. That's that's the thing, and that's why I think that the best move for him is to transfer him to junior in uh, North America, either the CHL or the USHL. Just get him playing some games on yep. North American ice, close to your scouts, where you can keep you know close monitoring on him. I feel like either the OHL or the WHL would be a great place for him if you can send him to Seattle. I mean, that team, you know, could benefit from a goal scoring winger if they can put him next to Brad Lambert or Jared Davidson, yep. or you know, there's a lot of options there. Um, I feel like a team like Kelowna. Maybe even uh, Regina would, would benefit from from a player like him. Regina's struggling hard right now and for some reason hasn't gotten rid of Connor Bedard. So I just feel like what's smart for him is to play junior, but play closer to his team. I think that's the best idea. Um, I, I think the USHL would be a good fit for him, though. I think that would be something interesting for him. I think you're absolutely spot on there that coming over to North America would be the best option out there for Tuamala. And hopefully the Flyers listen to that. 
We'll have more with Hadi coming up next. The NFL playoffs are in full swing. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance to add a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Hey, maybe even wait to see what the status of Patrick Mahomes' ankle is before you place a bet. All on the app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, a special official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Over the last several months, we've been digging into the Flyers prospect pool on the show and looking at some lower draft picks even to see if there's any hidden gems or, you know, guys that could eventually make the NHL uh, seemingly out of nowhere from the pool. We were wondering who are some of those guys in the Flyers prospect pool for you? Yeah. Um. Devin Kaplan to me is a player who I think should have been drafted way higher than he did. Um, I was I'm, I'm really impressed with him at Boston University. I've been following BU very closely because of Lane Hudson, um, who is just amazing right now. Um, but Kaplan is he's caught my eye on, on many shifts. He, the way that he skates in transition, um, he plays give and goes really well. I think that's one thing that's improved. I didn't see that really from him last year in the NTDP, but that's something that's improved in his game. He didn't uh, really get a chance. He was a bottom six guy there. Yeah. Like he, that's the thing. Yeah. It, with, with those minutes, it was very rare to see him in, in really sort of quality offensive scenarios. I feel like right. he would have been a great winger for, you know, Logan Cooley or Frank Nazer. I think that, Pairing him with those two would have been really good for him. And you see it this year. He's getting quality minutes with BU. He's got 18 points in 25 games, which is pretty decent production for a draft mm -hmm. plus one player. And he started off slow, if I remember. Exactly. And it's just, you know, he he's improved throughout the year. And again, what I like the most about him is his transition ability and his goal scoring. I think that he has a really good shot. Um, but he's also comfortable distributing, which is something that I don't really see into a Mollus game as much, um, which makes me think that, you know, they might have gotten a Tuomala 2.0 in Cap Kaplan, a player who can drive transition, who's got a wicked shot. I don't think his shot is at Tuomala's level, but he's definitely got better distribution. Um, yeah, I've been really impressed with Devin Kaplan. That's one guy I would mention. Um, probably also Elliot Denoyer, who's been a player I've been following for a while. I think that he's off to a really great star in the AHL um and and could see some bottom six minutes eventually i don't really see him as anything more than a bottom six forward but i really like his style really intense um you know nose for the net all that stuff those are the two guys i'd say that really sort of stand out to me as sort of underrated players in the in the flyer system i like that yeah and i think denoye is all or nothing like he'll either make it or he just never will make it like it's yep. just he's just that's the way his tools are so um right now Daryl Sutter for the break for Calgary is going to travel with the Wranglers on the road because he feels like as an old school scout, it's better to draft, see his guys on the road and then get a feel for how they are you know, like under duress, under not normal, you know, homey kind of circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Do you think John Tortorella should do that with Lehigh? It's close, so he could just really just, you know, commute for like one, basically one weekend upstate New York against some of those teams. It wouldn't be that bad, but I, I think he would benefit from that. But I don't know. I don't know if Torts has any interest in that whatsoever. See, that's the thing. I, I don't think Tortorella really is interested in that. And especially I don't think that's the thing with Tortorella is he has high expectations for his players. Um, he's a coach that's fit for the NHL because those players have those same expectations of themselves. I just don't see what he would be able to influence in his situation going to Lehigh Valley. I understand the argument for it. I think that what Daryl Sutter is doing is really smart. Um, you know, keeping tabs with your AHL team, making sure that they know that there's still a connection between you and them. Um, I feel like that's important, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's a very weird situation. I feel if, if I see Tortorella going to the high Valley, I, I don't know. I, I kind of expect him to, to sort of raise the well, I'll bar. I'll give you a scenario. Yeah. And this scenario happened when, when I was in sales for a short time, mm-hmm. there would always be these ride alongs. And so like, as in the office, you would see David Wallace be there with Michael Scott mm-hmm. and whoever else, what other salesmen they have with him. And, and it's the same thing. He's not going to, talk to the players. He's just going to talk to Le Perrier after the game and say, you know, this is what we need up in, up in Philly. And this is what I'm looking for out of your players. I need a couple, Mm -hmm. you know, let's see how this trip works out and give me your feedback. That's all I'm talking about, but I'm with you. I mean, he probably won't do it, but I just think he should. Yeah. I mean, I think any coach would benefit from just seeing what's going on, being involved in, in the process. Just what I really sort of always have, you know, kind of reproached to the the way that the the major and minor system works in the NHL and AHL is just there's pretty much a line between the two. There isn't that much communication. There is some, like you'll have reports once a week, that kind of thing, but there isn't that sort of connective presence. And I think that's something that the Montreal Canadiens have been working really well by moving um, their their affiliate to Laval, you right. know, literally a metro right away, a thirty minute metro right away. You know, having that closest. Yeah, Bouchard seemed to be the go-between, which was good. Yeah, exactly. So it was really important for me to 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 see that in an NHL team, to see that connectiveness. So I'm always down for an NHL coach to take a ride with the AHL team if his team's not playing, just to go down there, check how things are doing, um, and just be involved in the process at all times. I think that communication and connectiveness within an organization is so important. I think that's why it would be a good idea. I just don't see Torts doing that. Yeah, that's I'm really with you. Honest. I'm with yeah. you. I think you're spot on there with Torts. Mm -hmm. He is way more of a delegator than a doer, especially when it comes Mm -hmm. to the AHL roster. Looking at how the Flyers season has gone so far, Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your take is on the overall depth of the Flyers, especially heading into the trade deadline and the next off season, like how would you look at the overall Flyers system Mm -hmm. right now? Yeah, for sure. So the thing with uh, the system in, um, in Philadelphia is I don't see that much depth, but I do see quality Um, mainly with Gauthier uh, Brink, uh, Tuomala to a certain extent. Um, I really like Alexis Gendron. I think that he's improved this game a lot, especially since moving uh, teams to get to know. Um, that's one guy who's been playing really well. Um, I'm a little skeptical of him, but I 
he's he has tools but i'm a little skeptical of Jinjo. definitely and, and i understand that you know anyone coming out of the queue is going to have some some no no i'm not a queue hater like i, I oh yeah <laughs> no no i'm not one of them i get listen i i've been around the block with that and all the points aren't real all that stuff no no, no. but it's just yeah. i i did yeah. see him in rookie camp and i just saw a lot of things that i know he can get away with in the queue mm -hmm. that he won't be able to in other places that's all yeah, no, 100%. And I agree with you on that. I think the queue, you know, the 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 lack of quality in the queue is a bit overblown. Um, but I This do... is a bad year for the queue in the draft. Oh, yeah. I get it. But yeah. usually not it's usually not this bad. Yeah, no, 100%. And even then, I feel like the issue with the queue is it doesn't necessarily teach the things that you want your prospects to learn. Um, I don't think that it's a lack of quality within the league because you'll get players with really good physical tools, you'll get some players that have really good mental tools. Um but really, to, to sort of delve back into the depth of uh, of this this pool for Philadelphia, you know, there are a couple pieces. Again, I really like Devin Kaplan, Emil Andre. Um, you know, Cam York, in my eyes, is still a prospect. Mm -hmm. um, you know, players like, um, you know, there are options out there for, for the Flyers, but I think what's important to them is to acquire as many picks as possible just to sort of accentuate that depth. Um, and especially the way their year is going right now, it's almost certain they're going to get maybe top 10, top 15 pick. Um, you know, they might get another pick for one of their players, you know, just adding in the first round as well, trying to get, you know, some, some upside in their pool as well would be good. Um, but I say they're about average in both senses, but I really like their quality a bit more than their quantity right now. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I would say they're overall for this regime, a little below average, but yeah. what you said is true what they do have in quality, then they're lacking in depth. And that mm -hmm. really is true. And that's why you're right about the scattergun approach to have more picks because then mm -hmm. they're likely to get more things right. But yep. what you're basically telling me is you're, you're wanting them to do that because with fewer picks, they're not getting enough, right? Most likely. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. there, there are some, there are some tendencies with the drafting in Philadelphia that kind of worry me, but, um, especially, you know, if, if, yeah, I mean, honestly, I love Carter Goche. I had him <laughs> maybe 11th or 12th overall in my rankings. I would not have picked him at fifth. It's just he's good. We wouldn't have either. This show would not have either. We would have absolutely picked David Yurichek yeah. for sure. David Yurichek would have been a great fit with Philadelphia. I think that he fits the style and the system really well. Yeah. Um, and just just the idea of Ivan Provorov and David Yurichek long term on a first pair just terrifies me. So just that was a strange one from Philly. But um, who am I to tell? I'm, you know, Karagochi is going to be an NHLer. He's going mm -hmm. to be a good one. And they wanted, you know, power forward style. I think you couldn't really go wrong with Goche, but it was such a safe pick. And that's the thing is that safety doesn't get you far. Um, you know, it, it, it keeps your job. That's what it does as a scout, mm -hmm. as a mm -hmm. as a director of scouting, as a GM. It keeps your job because you keep producing NHLers, but it doesn't win you championships. I mean, you know, I remember when Kill McCarr got picked in the top five, you know, that was a risk. That was a big and that's one. That's what I always try to tell Flyers fans. They're always trying to say, well, we should have picked Kale McCarr. And Bobby Clark's got this story that they were talking about. They weren't talking about Kale McCarr because nobody on the Flyers wanted anybody small back then. Yep. They wanted guys that were physical and big. And yes, that was a big risk 
coming from the AJHL, which mm-hmm. again, at that point, that league wasn't scouted very well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a huge risk. You could see the tools, but even, even after everybody could see the tools, because even in the world juniors, he, he got kind of got shafted a little bit on yep. playing time until like midway, I think it was, because I was covering it in Montreal. And mm-hmm. then he finally, you know, came on and got more playing time. Even then, there were still skeptics for good reason. Like, you know, like the track record wasn't there. Yep, 100%. We'll have more with Hadi coming up next. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. If you're like me, but you want to eat healthier and don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty and it's perfect for getting healthier this year. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. And they only have 130 calories, four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait for the mail to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. You can walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Over at Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, and churro. You can thank me later. But yeah, to come back to the Flyers, I mean, it's just there are some tendencies that worry me with their scouting, with their drafting, and it's mainly that idea that, you know, safety will keep your job and all that. It's just it's it's conservative in, in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the, the the era of the broad street bullies and winning games by just bullying other teams and being more physical it's slowly but surely disappearing and it's so important to keep up with the times i feel like if they had gone for frank nazar at five if they had gone for david Gierczyk, um you know those types of players you know Gierczyk's a big guy but that's not what makes him good what no makes him it's good a skill is how good yeah, it's, it's, he's, he's a skillful player, really solid and composed and poised in transition. He's he covers be, half the ice. I mean, he really does. well. Exactly. I mean, you, you don't find players like that outside of the top five. Rarely no. do you. And and when you do, it's because teams like the Flyers do what they did. So it's just, it's a whole thing. Um, but I think that the best thing for the Flyers right now is to acquire as many picks as possible so that they feel comfortable taking those risks. That's what happened with the Habs last year. They were yeah. they have been a conservative team when it comes to drafting for the longest time, and they were one of the worst, if not the worst, drafted drafting teams in the league. This well, we year, can start with Louis LeBlanc and work our way down. I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm. <laughs> that's mainly what I'm mentioning. Uh, but the thing is with with that is that they acquired so many picks last year yeah. that they were able to take a shot on Lane Hudson, on Owen Beck, right. on you know Vincent Rohrer and Cedric. I don't Gainon. even know if Beck was taking a shot. Beck can play. But oh, yeah, yeah 100%. Lane Hudson's taking a shot because of the size, and I get yeah. it. He's got everything else; like he's tremendous at everything else. So yeah, I mean, yeah. he's he's literally you know 
he he's a he's probably going to be a Hobie Baker candidate by the end of oh, this yeah. year, and he's a freshman defenseman who's yeah. I think he's five ten now. We're not even sure. Like it's a whole thing. I don't know if he's five ten. I've he, stood near him, I, but he could have grown. He, he's at that age. Yeah. No. See. See. That's the thing. The more picks you acquire, the more confident you are in taking risks, and I think that should be the objective for the Flyers right now. Um, if you can, if you can get a, a fifth, sixth round pick for a fourth line player, you might as well just go at it. You never know what you can get with that. And the more picks you have, the more risks you take. And that's what the Flyers need right now is risk. I definitely agree with you there. So taking all of that into account, is there a specific type of player the Flyers should be targeting in the upcoming draft? I, I feel like the Flyers could really use a right-handed defenseman. And again, they had their shot last year with David Yerichek. They didn't take him. But this year, there are a couple options that I would definitely consider. They're almost definitely going to go for a guy like Dmitry Simashev or, or someone like that because he's big. He he covers a lot of ice, you know, pretty physical, um, really aggressive. He's their style of defenseman. But I feel like what would benefit him would be a guy like Axel Sanding Pelica. Or, um, yeah, Pelica is, is to me... Uh... The Flyers' way lately is they want guys there quicker because mm-hmm. of the job factor and everything. Pelika will get there quicker. Yeah, Simashev has more tools for sure, but mm-hmm. Pelika has what he has already honed. And like you know, you saw him in the World Juniors on the power play; he's really good. And he's he actually miss. he doesn't yeah, miss a breakout. No. He just doesn't miss. He's a no. breakout machine. I, I, I yeah. don't think I've seen him miss a breakout pass, a, a skating lane, anything like that. He's so efficient. Um, at breaking out pucks which is a huge gap for the flyers right now yeah oh yeah 100 percent uh another guy who's really good at that is david reinbacher um another really really good breakout facilitator um if you're looking at a right-handed defenseman who's going on breakouts those are really your two options in the first round um i think sandy and pelica will be gone by 10th overall especially if we look at drafts like 2018 and 2019 where teams were just jumping on defensemen early and and leaving tal on the board because he wanted to strengthen their d i think we might see a similar scenario this year even though for me the top 10 i've got nine forwards um top 15 i've got 13 forwards you know like it's, yeah. it's that kind of draft this year it is um so you look at that and you you think, okay, well, if the Flyers are picking top ten, you know, I'd understand for them to pick up forwards. But if they do choose to strengthen their D, I think Sandy Pelica is the best option. Um, but in terms of forwards, they've got options. I think that a guy like Will Smith will really bolster their skill. Um, you know, give some give some upside to their to their uh, to their prospect pool. I think that Will Smith is a better prospect than Cutter Goche in terms of overall upside. You look at guys. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah. The funny thing about Smith is I've seen him about four or five times live this year. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm wanting to write him off in a game because I'm like, I don't know. He's just a, he, he just comes up something. with some great plays. He does. Yeah. And it might be in the third period. It's, it's very Panarin ish like that. And yeah. so he's just sort of trained me now to just like sit and wait, even if it's not the best looking game from him, all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's going to be a play or two where he's going to have an impact. Yeah, so one thing I do when I scout prospects uh, and I want to look for hockey sense is I watch them maybe 10 first minutes of the first period, and then I skip right to the third. And if I see a drastic difference in the player's ability to absorb pressure, to manipulate play, to open up lanes, he's connecting on more passes, he's trying more stuff, then you got a player with hockey sense. He's a player yeah. who within a game is able to identify what his opponents are going to do and adapt, and that's Will Smith. I, I see that in spades. He's got the mitts as well. I call him Will Smiths because of the hands that he's got on him. It's just ridiculous. 
uh, playmaking ability. One guy who's almost definitely going to slip, who I've got in my top six, is Angry Crystal. And any team would be lucky to have a guy like that. But I don't yeah, think he's a terrific good. player. I don't it's think a shame the, he was hurt and couldn't play in the top prospects because more people would have at least 100%. known who he is. Yeah. 100%. But I don't think the Flyers are going for that type of player. So I think if they go for a forward, they're going to go for that USA center uh, in Will Smith. If they go for a defenseman, it's almost definitely going to be Sanyu Pelica or David Ronbacker. If they're yeah, smart. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It'll just depend on how the flyer season plays out and if there's a lottery ball, where it falls. Yeah. That's the key. Right. Yeah. Hadi, this has been so great. Mm. Such amazing insight into the Flyers' prospects and our depth. Uh, where can people find you out there to get more mm-hmm. great information on NHL prospects? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Hattie K underscore scouting. Um, quite easy to find there. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I've got the podcast up there, the Locked On NHL Prospects podcast. I've also got my own channel where I post some uh, prospect analysis videos sometimes, breaking down uh, data, video, all that stuff. Um, and you can find the the, um, the podcast on Twitter as well, LO underscore NHL Prospects. Uh, we're taking a little break right now just to restructure and maybe find some uh, some additional help and making sure that we've got a better product out. But uh, eventually we will restart some episodes five days a week. It'll be a fun uh, fun time for all. Um, yeah, and uh, you can find me at Habs Eyes on the Prize as well. I write some articles there uh, about the North American prospects uh, of the Montreal Canadiens, and I'm the QMJHL scout at Dover Prospects. It is a lot of work, uh, but that's the industry right now. Uh, you, you put out your feelers and uh, get a couple things started, and yeah, it's just a fun time, but Twitter's really a one-time, one-stop shop. You find everything. All right, once again, thank you to Hadi Kalakesh so much great information and good discussion yeah yeah really enjoyed it so uh hopefully we'll be able to have him back on as we get closer to the draft and get into the nitty-gritty of who we think the flyers should be picking this year Uh, we will be back again tomorrow with another uh, bi-week player profile we're gonna do our poll winner from over on YouTube, uh, Travis Konechny was uh, far and away the most requested player in the poll. So we're going to take a look at his season thus far. As a reminder, we want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at Gmail. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M. I'm Russell at Sportsology, S P O R T S O L O G Y. Have a great day, everyone.